Good morning, everyone. Today we are in Genesis chapter 18. And after God makes the covenant of circumcision with Abraham and his family, and he promised him that he would uh, have a child, it yet still did not come. But then three men come from God, and Abraham makes them a meal. They're sent by God, and he spends time with them, and, and they tell him, by next year, we'll come back, and or by this time next year, you will have a child through Sarah. And that's when Sarah laughed. Uh, you know, I don't know what exactly that means. That she she probably, you know, as a human being, just had doubts like we do. I mean, she was so old, and it says that she was barren and past the age of rearing children. And, you know, it's been so long since the promise of God. And maybe she laughed with, like, glee and happiness and also with a sense like no way you know what i mean i there's i can't believe this would happen but yet you know obviously she was hopeful and uh, desired for the blessing of god so what an amazing thing i i guess just to see for this miraculous child isaac who's going to be born soon to see how long they had to wait and it's still as though god just wanted to do a miracle you know and that's really going to end up being what I want to talk about today. And even as I'm saying this, something's coming to my mind regarding the main point I want to make today. Like, <clears throat> check this out. We would be like, God, imagine if we were Abraham and Sarah and we were waiting this long for a child. God, why? Why do we have to wait this long? Like, you've made us this promise all the way back in Genesis 12. And, and it's been, you know, 25 years. And why so long, you know? Uh, and yet, God had a plan. God is doing it the way that God wanted to do it. And it's all that more notorious, famous, maybe special. Uh, the longer we wait, and then to see this miracle come about of this child soon to come, after they're this old, they've waited this long, it just makes it all that much more magnificent. And it shows that we. We need to trust God, you know, so many times, and this is what we'll see today, we maybe begin to judge God by our own perception or by what we think. But the thing that's so important to understand about God is he knows the ending and the beginning. He, he knows what's going to happen and he knows what would happen if something did or didn't take place that we don't know. His wisdom is so beyond our own. And uh, I wasn't actually planning on saying this during this portion of the message, but I'm I'm seeing that it, it really applies to the whole chapter here. And I'm going to go ahead and do a little bit of this now. This came up a, a little while back. If you turn to Romans chapter 11, I'm turning there now. <clears throat> I, I just love this passage. Uh, and it says this, well, we, you might remember, for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. And, you know, we could be wondering, this will make sense in a second, but we could be wondering, like, well, why did those people got to go through the law? And, 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 you know, why are we, why did God allow sin and all that? And look at what it says in verse 32 we just read, for God has shut up or caught up in a net 
all in disobedience that he may show mercy to all. Ultimately, like regarding our sinfulness and our inability to keep the law, it put us all in a position where we're all able to receive the mercy of God and we're able to give him glory through what Jesus Christ did for us. So he put us all in a position where we needed his son and then he gave us his son and he not only gave us his son, but he gave us his son on the cross. And we could theorize, and I think I, I'm careful to do this, but maybe God just wanted to put us in a position where we we knew we needed him and that we're thankful for him. And as a result that we want to follow him, uh, God's wisdom is so beyond our own. And that's what it's going to say in Romans 11 here. Oh, the depth. This is right after that verse in 32, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be repaid to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. I want to ask us for a moment. And, you know, I've talked to several people that I I love and care about in in our church body. And there are some who struggle with why God did something. Why did God do that? Why did God allow this? And I have compassion uh, for those. And I want to come across caring, pastoral, and in the right way. But what I want us to understand is that God is so, he knows so much more than us. He's so much wiser than us. We are so finite and so much like an ant, you know, compared to God. How unsearchable are his ways and unfathomable are his judgments, excuse me, and unfathomable his ways. For who has the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? And imagine if you were going to be in the room of someone immensely respected and they're the king of the land, you would be so careful to question that king's judgment, right? Or to tell them that they were wrong. How much more so, because that's just a mere man, how much more so God, who has all the depths of riches and wisdom and knowledge, should we just say, oh God, even though I don't understand, I trust you. I trust that you know what's best. I trust you know the ending from the beginning. You know what would happen and what would have happened if you didn't do what you did. And my job is not to question you. My job is just to trust you. You have good reasons to do the things you did. And I believe it's for the best. And no matter what it is, I just trust you. That's where God would desire us to be. And I believe if God could show you or show me why he does a certain thing, if if we could see everything he knew and see, see, we'd be like, oh, wow, man, God knew what he was doing. You know, it makes me think of Job, right? Like a lot of times we kind of want to like judge God well, is he being fair according to who, right? According to us, I guess, we would want to say, is God fair? 
And, you know, in the book of Job, we would take a look at Job's life and be like, man, look what that righteous man went through. And did he really deserve that? And, you know, was that really fair that God let the devil mess with him and ultimately not take his life, but he lost so many of his family and he got sick and, you know, and is it fair? Is it fair? And, you know, it reminds me of Job chapter 38 when all this talk between Job and his two friends comes to a conclusion and it says, Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens my counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you make me know. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you know understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Or what words? Were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb, when I made a cloud its garment and dense gloom its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it, and I set a bolt in doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, talking about the ocean here, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. And we could go on, right? This goes on for a couple of chapters to say, you know, who are we to question God? He's the one who created it all. He knows what's best and we need to trust him. And when we approach God's word that way, that I'm automatically going to trust that there's something God knows that I don't and I can just trust him. It makes it so much better and, and makes just him so much more glorious and so much more worthy of our worship. So I think the presupposition that we begin with, meaning I'm just going to trust God in everything. I'm just Whatever I read, no matter what happens, I'm going to automatically trust that God knows best versus being in the predisposition that anytime something doesn't meet what I think, I'm going to question God. Like I don't think that's um, the better way to go. So that's kind of about that. I wasn't even going to bring it up regarding that, but then after that story of getting the promise again that Sarah's going to have this child, then uh, they went down to Sodom. And we're getting close to when God's going to rain judgment down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And verse 20, it says, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. And I will go down and see whether they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. And isn't that really interesting? It's almost like God had his angels report to him that what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah is exceedingly grave, and God, as a result, is going to destroy it. But he says, you know what, i got to go down and see this for myself. So like before he was going to destroy, he wanted to see it directly. Maybe, you know, I'm just saying it's an angel's report. I don't know when it says, uh, according to its, which has come to me, according to its outcry, which has come to me. Like, I don't know what exactly that means, how it came to God, but now he's going to check on it himself. So then the men who 
were with uh, Abram and Sarah and told them about the child, they left, and Abram was standing before Yahweh in verse 22. And this is when we get that discussion. And you know, I'm assuming you guys are reading this chapter before you're you're uh, listening to the podcast. But this is when Abram's hears of God's destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah that's going to come, and and he goes through a series of questions and saying, "Well, God, what if there's, you know, what if there's five righteous people in it, and or you know, what if there's forty five righteous? Or I don't even know. I, I read it here this morning, but." The way it's written, sometimes it's actually a little hard to understand. Like verse 28 says, Suppose the 50 righteous persons are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And again, they keep going through and they keep reducing the amount of people, meaning if God finds any righteousness in the city, he's going to spare the whole city uh, because of the righteousness of a few. and Abraham keeps whittling down the number to find out, well, even if there's just this little bit, God, would you withhold your hand and not destroy the city? And God keeps confirming to Abraham that, yeah, if there were just those few righteous, I would actually spare the whole city based on those few righteous people. And Abraham actually has the, he kind of does what we've talked about today. He he questions God over and over. and and Eventually, God says, and I will not destroy on account of the ten. So even if there were ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't destroy it. And as soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, Yahweh departed, and Abraham returned to his place. And it's almost so Abraham was satisfied with that. You know, even if there's just ten people, God's going to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, as we know, and we'll find out uh, in the next chapter, you know, Lot is going to get rescued. Uh, Abraham's relative is going to get rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah, and God indeed is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And apparently there were none righteous, and only Lot is going to be saved, and some from his family and everyone else is going to die. And again, here we are, and it reminds me of the story of Noah, right? And if we were to go back to that briefly, you know, I mean, in fact, I could just, I just want to read a portion of that for a moment from um, Genesis chapter 6, because I I really think it's critical, A, that we trust God, and B, look at the text, because it it says, then, verse 5 of Genesis 6, then Yahweh saw that the evil of man was great on the earth, and that, now listen to this, very important to take this in, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, make sure, church, that we're taking in those words. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And then that's when he said, I'm going to blot out except for Noah. and But I want to take you down to verse 11. Again, before this flood takes place. Now the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. All, all flesh had corrupted their way 
on the earth. And then again in verse 13, Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. So we have to really take in that God created them for good and to be fruitful and multiply. And it was utterly wicked. And because God knows where it was and where it was headed, he, he in his judgment, this was the, the best thing to do was to start off through Noah. And I think we got to trust him. I think we got to trust that earth was not the kind of place any of us would want to be. It was horrific, horrifically bad. And God knew that it wasn't going to work if it continued in that way. And and that's why he began again through Noah. And in a similar stance in Genesis 18 here, when it talks about Sodom, uh, it said that, I'm finding the verse in Sodom, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. So again, the situation is really futile in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe in God's wisdom. He knew what was best, and he, he's going to do what he is going to do. And, and may we just trust him. I hope this helps um, those who at times perhaps struggle with wondering why God did or does what he does. Um, ultimately, he's God. He's wise. He's good. And he knows what's best. And may we trust him. Now, I want to say, too, in close, that, you know, God was patient with Abraham when he questioned him. God was very patient. Abraham kept asking over and over in Genesis 18, and and God was patient with him. And I think God has compassion on us, even in our questioning of him. But I do think that God is pleased when we learn to trust him, when we learn to honor him. And I pray that that our future would be more in trust and honor of our Lord. God bless you all.